0: Hey there, listener, and welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge. I'm your host, Steph Pham. My guest today has had a successful career in the newsroom, but she wanted to express her creative side a little bit more. She spent several years creating and developing a groundbreaking TV series that explores the office workspace from a POC, person of color, point of view. I'm excited to talk to her all about this new venture, and we delve into what her series is about, her journey to putting the series out, and what it takes to step into one's boldness. Dear listener, please welcome my guest, Jackie Fernandez. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is Jackie Fernandez. She is the creator, executive producer, writer, and all things of Hashtag Ghostwriters the series. Jackie, thank you so much for joining me today on Popner Lounge.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Can you share me the story of how you got the concept and the idea for hashtag Ghostwriters? Because it's such a new and like groundbreaking format for a series. So tell me about how you got the actual idea for the show.
1: First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is so awesome. So proud of you for what you're doing. And for me, hashtag ghostwriters has been in my soul for several years. I say that I've had this idea for about three years and it's taken me this long to make it a reality, right? So Basically, I was born in Queens and raised here in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, which is a very multi-ethnic place. I didn't even realize I was a minority really until I was in a New York City newsroom. And so after being having the privilege of growing up in Los Angeles and having my formative years in New York City, places filled with diversity, I then spent the past seven to eight years living all over the country in middle America from and the South, from North Carolina to Cleveland to Tampa. And that was a true culture shock to be the only Asian American person, Asian American woman in the entire building most of the time, right? And... Having those experiences really teach you what it is like to be a minority, what it means to be judged based on the color of your skin, understanding how people are viewing you and perceive you and expect you to act based on how you look, and in those newsrooms, I was in leadership roles as the main anchor of every morning show in those cities that I was in. And believe me, the people who were the staff on that show did not expect someone who was as brash and forthcoming as I was who looked like me, right? So I thought I couldn't really stand being in a newsroom anymore when you are a creative person. Being a local morning news anchor is really quite soul-crushing, Because you're forced to be this sterilized, censored version of yourself, right? So when I came back to LA in the start of 2018, I thought, what can I do with all of this trauma or experiences that I've had these past few years? And I wanted to tell a story on InstaStory ever since InstaStory had launched a few years prior, and it just felt like the right time to really delve into these experiences that I've had write it down and I started meeting people who were going to help me make this vision a reality. And so hashtag Ghostwriters came to be because it was it's really truly a reimagining of the experiences that I had as the one ethnic person, one Asian American person in these majority white spaces. And it's a culmination of not only my experiences, but the close friends and allies that I made along in those journeys.
0: Mentioning your journey, I I bet that a a lot of your interactions with like a white predominantly workspace were a lot of snap judgments. So did that kind of lend itself into the storytelling of what you built ghostwriters on?
1: 100% so much of the experiences that you see or the situations that you see in hashtag Ghostwriters, are based on a lot of things that actually happened to me or colleagues or friends of mine and it's not just the newsrooms in any of their work situations you know when you are vulnerable with people and you start sharing your experiences they start sharing theirs and the amount of stories I mean hashtag Ghostwriters barely touches the surface but I will say a lot of the things that the show explores. It's not just racism, not just microaggressions, but it's a lot of sexual harassment as well, and not understanding so many different kinds of identities. You know, the three main characters are not only—they're um, not the same. One is Asian American. One is Afro Latina, which is uh, an identity not often explored in this tie between or in this uh, this battle between: Am I too? Am I not Latina enough? Am I not African American enough? And then. The one identity we really explore a lot is the intersex Latinx community, which is played by River Gallo, and his character's name is Wave, and that is the newest gender or identity that hasn't been explored yet, and it is the I in LGBTQIA, and I feel Hashtag Ghostwriters is such a beautiful platform to do it in a comedic but very enlightening way.
0: You built this show from the ground up, teaching yourself all about the areas of production of TV making. What was it like learning and getting involved with the different facets of
1: production? Girl, I gotta say, it has been challenging to say the least. Hashtag Ghostwriters has been a complete labor of love. I have never worked harder and been paid less. You know what I mean? AKA been paid zero. I have invested so much of my time mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially into this project. That's why a lot of times you'll hear me reference this show as feeling like my baby, because it's been something that I've been growing and feeding for months, and then finally releasing it into the world felt like a birth, and so many people came together to help me with this project. While it was, while it is my project, you cannot accomplish anything ever on your own. No matter how much drive and passion you have, people need to help you. And so... Hashtag Ghostwriters could not be made without so many people helping me, and one of them is my producing partner and the director of the entire series, and that is Sebastian Tobler. This man really believed in me. We met in a Philam Creative, which is Filipino American Creative Writing Group, and I had shared my idea. I had created a pilot on my own, and he really believed in the story and the mission and in me. And decided to help me further the project. And we did an entire series together. And I got to say, when you meet people like that, it shows you really that you're on the right track. There's a saying that when you are living in your purpose and you are in the right place, God will send you provisions. And I feel like Sebastian was one of those provisions I started meeting every single person in the cast because I cast this show myself and built the characters around their personalities. Those, each actor was a provision sent to me. My editor, Tori Baxter, another provision, right? My graphic designer, Nicole, another provision. My composer, an Asian American female, Jessie, she is another provision. All these different people came together to help me with. This production, because I had no idea what I was doing. I honestly, for the first half or first almost three quarters of 2018, I immersed myself in every facet. I was shadowing on sets, getting paid in goldfish crackers. I went from someone who was making a six-figure salary to then getting on the floor, putting gaffers tape for actors, being paid nothing, right? And uh, all of those experiences are very, um, they really remind you of your humility, right? You have to let go of your pride and ego when you want to learn and you need to ask for help and you need to really uh, start over again. So I was taking every class. I was in Groundlings for the entire year of 2018. I was in acting class. I was in writing classes. I was in everything you could do to learn and a, a lot of times you think, why am I doing this? What is the point of this? And there were times when I thought, why are you doing so much of this stuff? It's like school all over again. And, I, and when you just believe, you realize, oh, this is why I was getting ready for this journey. It was preparing me to not only be well-equipped with the skills, but also with the humility and the perspective to not have this huge egoic pride walking in to this new facet and journey of my life because I was stripped away of the, the medals, of the esteem, of being a quote Emmy award winning news anchor. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And so starting from literally the ground up, I mean, putting tape on the floor for actors and driving an hour just to shadow a set. That's what it takes. And that's what this past year has been, year and a half for me.
0: And I feel like that separates you from so many aspiring creatives or like just creatives in general, because we... As creators, we have this hustling gene, but whenever they have to do something where it humbles themselves and where they're like, I have to put my pride and ego aside and really learn and, uh, and embrace this process, that kind of sets you apart from everybody else, I believe. You have to be not only hungry to learn, but you also have to be hu- humble enough to be like, okay, I need to learn, I need to embrace this process because it's going to make me better in the end.
1: You really do. Facts. That is facts. Because honestly... I remember talking to a friend after I had shadowed a set because I was shadowing quite a few sets. And he had said to me, everything that you're learning is so you can see how you want to run your own sets, how you want the environment to be when you go on set, and what kind of showrunner leader you want to be. And I said, that's so true. Every experience that we have is gathering information for us to absorb, right? And that's how we need to look at it. Even the situations that are defeating, that are embarrassing, that are humiliating and frustrating, each of those experiences, whether it's situationally or with a person, give you information that hopefully you have the wherewithal to absorb and receive,
0: amen amen i'm sitting here i'm like yes yes right preach preach." (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted to ask you um since it's such a unique um platform for your show did you ever consider um pitching your show to maybe like a streaming service like hulu or netflix or maybe possibly like youtube premium or was it always going to be instagram story from like the get-go
1: So I'll be honest with you. Obviously, when I was coming up with this idea, um, I thought, oh, it'd be great to be bought by a Snapchat or a, a YouTube or what have you, right? But that process is a long process. There's a lot when it comes to pitching to a network or a streaming service and then having them buy it. And usually if someone buys your show, that does not mean it gets made. There's another thing called developmental hell or development hell. And so that is when your project is bought and it either never gets made or there are so many different levels and bureaucratic messiness to wade through that your project will never see the light of day. But they bought the IP intellectual property. Right. So I went that route first, having meetings, doing this, doing that. And I just thought. You know what? I don't wanna wait. I have the resources to do this myself, to bootstrap this, do it independent style. Does it have the finesse and the finishing touches of let's say if this was financed by Instagram itself? No. But I did not wanna wait. So I just took my destiny into my own hands because I believed and I do believe that this story is gonna resonate with people and it's gonna make them feel seen. So that's why I decided to just go on it my own. And hopefully that leads to something else, because sometimes you have to take destiny into your own hands to prove not only to yourself, but to others what you're made of. Because you will constantly hear no's, you're not ready, this isn't good enough, just wait your turn, especially as not only a woman, but a woman of color. And it got to the point where I just went let me have the confidence of your average white man and I'm just going to go for it and do it myself. And guess what? I did. And I found others who look like me in our communities, communities of color who are hungry and ready to make stuff happen for themselves too. And when you pitch an idea that is something that has meat, that is something that is exciting, innovative, and different, you will find people who will give of their time and resources to make that happen.
0: And speaking of that, um, talk to me about assembling your casting crew because you mentioned them before. But this is—I feel like an, an Avengers of like POC communities and like, <laughs> telling the story that needs to be told. So yeah, like tell. <laughs> so tell me, so tell me about like you mentioned a meeting <laughs> <laughs> the POC
1: you Avengers. Mentioned- I am Avengers. That is yeah, so right. good. I cannot even. That needs to be like the graphic you make, like POC Avengers. I. I can't even. That is so damn good, girl. Like that is (laughs) effing hilarious. (laughs) But it's so
0: true. And and so you mentioned meeting Sebastian through a Filipino am writing group. And so tell me how the other cast members and crew members came to be a part of your team.
1: Man, it really feels like it was just fate. All of them. So, for example. I met the comedian, Mary Grant, who stars as Connie in the show. She's so hilarious. She's a viral Filipina comedian. We met by being linked through this Filipino meme account on Instagram when I was moving back to L.A. So we were connected, and then I reached out to her uh, individually, and she invited me to this event, which was um, a table reading kind of event where different communities of color got to read a 10 page script. And that's where I met Sally. And when I met Sally, we instantly clicked and I had even expressed to her, Oh gosh, I want to make a web series. I don't even know how, uh, I met this guy who spent like six figures on a web series. Is that the cost that these things require? Because I don't have six figures for a web series. And so then from her, I met, uh, so Mary, I met Mary first, then Sally, and then Mary brought me to this Phil Am creative group, which was hosting a screenwriting type thing. And that's how I met Sebastian. And for the show, I really wanted the three main characters to be from different uh, identities, different ethnic backgrounds, different sort of experiences. And um, I was looking for a Latino transgender actor. And I started Googling it, and we had only a week before shooting our original pilot, couldn't find an actor. And everyone told me, just rewrite the character, just change it up. And I go, no, no. And I did a deep dive into Google and Instagram, and I found River Gallo, uh, this article about him raising intersex awareness as, as, as an intersex Latinx actor. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, this man is so beautiful and I love everything he stands for. Where is he based? Oh my gosh, please be in LA. And wouldn't you know, I DM him, I stepped into my boldness, I, I DM'd him, he responded right away and we just hit it off and I said, would you be interested in being in this web series? And he said, yes. And so I rewrote the character specifically to to be intersex Latinx and all these different things. And that's how I met River. He took a chance on me and I'm so grateful. And then one day before our table read of the entire series, the original love interest that I had cast was not available to be there for the web series and I was going to the groundlings a lot. I was actively going to the groundlings for the entire year. I love that school. And I, they were having all these one-off classes, you know, 30 different classes. It was one a day random. You had to sign up for each one individually. Wouldn't you know it that the first time I, I sent up for two, two classes, one on a Friday, one on a Saturday, two different classes. Right. And out of 30 that they offered, on Friday, on a Thursday, I see this man and it was like the sun was shining on him. He was so beautiful. And I look at him and I go, Oh, MFG, you are literally the personification of this dreamboat character that I created. And I was trying to go up to him at the class. But by the end of the class, I had got distracted, tried to talk to the teacher. He had left. And I went, well, that sucks. And he's clearly a model. So he probably wouldn't do it anyway, because I have no budget. Wouldn't you know, the next day, the class, I go to a different class, and he's there. And I said... Girl, this is God giving you another chance. If you don't capitalize on this, it is on you. And so I go up to him at the end of the class. I tell him about the show. I tell him that he's the personification of this character. And then I say, I know this is really crazy, but we are having a table read tomorrow. Would you be able to come and do the table read? He says, yes, he comes, he slays the table read, he's so good, I change the character, I split it into two characters, and make it a, a a Bridget Jones Diary Pride and Prejudice love triangle between the two Asian male leads, because I'm really tired of this narrative that Asian guys aren't sexy, so I made sure that my two lead male characters are Asian, and Asian Men who are of different skin complexions because I'm tired also of this light skin narrative winning as well. So all of that to say, that's how I met him. Each person, each actor was really stepping into boldness and asking them if they'd be willing to be a part of it. And oftentimes you think you're not good enough or your project isn't worth it and you're scared of the rejection. But as I've been in this journey is just kind of like, you just got to put it out there. The worst thing they're going to say is no. And I mean, and so many people have said yes. And those people who have said yes are the right people.
0: I love it. I love it. And like something that you said that I really resonate with is stepping into your boldness. Because one of my questions is, you know, people, especially um, Asian-American creatives, I know a lot of us are nervous about putting our own content out there just because of society thinking, oh, Asian-Americans can't be mainstream while we've proved them otherwise. Oh, totally. And so um, what – Right. What advice would you give not only Asian Americans, but just POC communities in general? What advice would you give them about stepping into their boldness, about biting the bullet and putting a product out there despite what society
1: says, just like you did? That's a good question. So I would say this. It's a struggle to step into your boldness because it is scary and it requires a lot of strength. It requires a lot of self-determination and and belief in not only yourself, but the product that you're pushing, the the, the your vision, the thing you've created, right? So we struggle. I, I don't want to speak for all Asian Americans, but I know a lot of, let's say, children of immigrants struggle with this stepping into boldness because we are confused. We, we have different ideals instilled in us, the one of filial piety, the one of American ideals, and oftentimes even even exacerbating that is being a woman, right? And it's kind of like, oh, maybe they'll just notice me. And if I just keep working hard, like it'll just happen organically. Nothing happens organically. You have to keep pushing your product and pushing yourself to believe in something. And I struggle with this. I mean, even as recently as yesterday, I felt really gross at how, um, much self-promotion this requires, right? I felt like, man, I'm really having to debase myself, asking people for an Insta-Story review, asking people for promotion, asking people for help in this different phase of the project. And my friend, a very close friend, whom I adore, her name is Amanda Nguyen. She's nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. She is just next level badassery. She said to me, Jackie, this is CEO life. You are the boss. Yes. And that really resonated with me. She goes, nobody is going to push your product more than you. And it feels really icky at first, but you get used to it and you have to do it because no one else will. So in order to step into your boldness, you not only need to remind yourself of that we need to be strong as individuals and believe me i am a strong individual but sometimes the weight and the burden of it becomes too much and when that happens you need to make damn sure that you have a community around you who sees you who believes in you and who will speak life into you when you cannot do it for yourself. And it is in those moments of weakness that you realize who you are, who is really there for you, and who believes in you. Because when you are in those moments and you have no one reaffirming you, that's when people give up. But it was in those moments that I had yesterday. I had people like Amanda, people like Sally, who's in the show, reminding me, of what the true intention and purpose of this is and that you have to keep going, that I have to keep going because they believe in me. So for all those creatives out there who are wondering, how do I step into the boldness? How do I step into my own boldness? You've got to do a lot of the self-work to make sure you have a strong will and you need to make sure that the community of people that you are surrounding yourself with truly believe in you, see you for who you are and will speak life into you when you can't do it for yourself. Oh, oh
0: my God! I'm just like yeah. It's just I chills, you? cause like yes, <laughs> cause it's it's so true. Especially I I resonate with I I know that I mean like I'm putting this podcast together and it's right. I've kind of related to your journey about putting your own show together and it and it's hard. I've wanted to give up so many times yes. and it, and we're run. We're run by statistics. Like and I hate that. I feel like it came from YouTube culture, but it's always about like, okay, how many likes can I get? How many subscribers can I get? How many followers can I get? How many reviews and like Mm shout-outs and yelp reviews can I get? And it, it, it sucks, but like you have to push through that, like you're saying and really embrace the process and accepting it like, hey, this is helping me grow, not only as a creative and an artist, but as a human. I'm gonna need to know how to embrace rejection one day. I'm going to need to know how to embrace people not accepting what I put out into the world. So yes, girl, yes! <laughs> I, I 100% agree. Yes. So let's switch gears and talk about your premiere party. Yeah, I saw the, the Instagram coverage of it. It looked like, oh my god, that was such an amazing night. So tell me about like the build-up towards it, because it looks like it took months to plan. So t- tell me about your vision for it and just kind of living that
1: night. What was it like? Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that, because... The premiere was everything that I had imagined and manifested because I had been working so hard on this vision of, how do I want this party to be? This is really the first launch of this show. People are going to see it on vertical screens. I mean, how do you plan a premiere around a 20-minute screening, right? Because your traditional screening is in a theater, it's two hours or whatever, and you just come for the screening. So my whole intention was, this needs to be an event. This needs to be an interactive party, an interactive premiere, because the screening is only 20 minutes and I need people to be engaged and interested. And so I want the vibe to be right. So I met Diane from D27 events and she basically helped me to understand how to create An amazing event. I said, I wanted to have, I'm going to have a tarot card reader. I'm going to have a build your own sage bundle. I want an ethnic candy bar. I want Filipino vegan food bites and Filipino dessert and a bar and all these things. Right. I said, this is what I want. And we have to have vertical screens. That is facts. And she made everything happen. She is literally was an angel sent to me via my love of health aid, if you can believe it. So I love health aid kombucha. And the founder, one of the founders of health aid kombucha is an Asian American woman. I'm a big fan of hers. Her name is Vanessa Dew. We had lunch. I told her I'm trying to plan. And this is just speaking about what you're going through, right? We had dinner. I said, girl, I'm trying to plan this event. I don't even know what to do. I'm not an event planner, but I have all these ideas. She goes, my best friend... Literally is an, is an esteemed party planner, just left her company, starting her own company. Maybe you guys can connect. She connected me, and that's how the ball got rolling on that. I found the amazing space because I connected with another Asian-American Slaysian queen. Her name is Monica Lynn. She works for the Times 10, and I was telling her, I'm looking for a venue. I was trying to find so many different venues. And she said, oh, for a screening? Well, my office, we have a theater. And you want to check it out? And I go, I don't know, because a theater, it doesn't work for this. It's vertical. theaters are horizontal. But I go, I'll go check it out. And when I saw the office space, I went, oh, whoa, this is it. This is it. And they, the Times 10 folks, let me use their building to have this party. And all of those things happened. Literally, these angels from Vanessa to Diane to Monica, all these Asian Slasian Queen angels were sent into my life because I was speaking about what I was going through, what I was looking for, and they offered help, and I received and accepted that help, which is something a lot of us don't want to do, right? We play this game of do you need help I don't know. are you sure? do you need help I don't know. and like we play this back and forth and it's like no. I have now, I have grown in this journey to be like, if someone's offering help, I'm going to take it because guess what? When the tables are turned, I am, I'm going to give back so much more as well, you know? So all of these women were instrumental in making that premiere happen. And it was just a beautiful event. And everyone, I was really stressed that no one was going to show up because my, I have some trauma from when I was younger. My birthday is the day before Halloween. So I literally had several birthdays growing up, even all the way to high school where no one showed up to my birthday parties. And after high school, I realized I'm never having a birthday. I just wanted to be intimate three people. That's it. I don't want to ever invite people and have no one show up again. And so I was so scared that no one was going to show up to this premiere. Right. And, um, I realized everyone who was, the, it was packed in there. It felt like there was 300 people in there. And I realized everyone who was meant to be there was there because the vibe was so good. Usually when you go to screenings, there's a lot of naysayers saying negative stuff like, oh, this, this sucked, their production was this or blah, 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 blah. That wasn't at this party. None of that happened at this screening. And I feel like that's a testament to who was truly meant to be there was there. and that's how I feel about the premiere (laughs) yeah
0: Yes. Yes. And so before we wrap this all up, I know you can't give the whole fruit basket away, but can you tease us a little bit about what's coming up on Ghostwriters? Because this episode is airing Saturday. Um, your your episode of PNL is airing Saturday and your Ghostwriters is airing Monday. So can you give us a little feel of what's coming up on Ghostwriters so we can give a little taste?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. First of all, I want to know After you watch the first episode and the extended teaser trailer, what do you think is going to happen on the show? I'm so close to it. So I wonder with someone with fresh eyes, what do they think? And then I'll tell you more. (laughs)
0: okay oh my god well first of all the cliffhanger at the end of the pilot <laughs> whenever he just walks in the door because the lead-up to that was so hilarious when you set up you're like oh he's just a childhood friend he's so annoying and then you guys well first of all can we talk about like the dope theme song that you selected yes Energy? Oh yes, god, yes by slay riz come love on slay riz. Like, Jesus, i love it i love it <laughs> but yeah, I want to know: like, Is there gonna be like drama? Like when he walks in, are you guys gonna meet? Is it gonna be awkward? Oh my god! I want, and of course, we're gonna get more Walter antics that fill up your app. Oh my gosh! I'm just so excited to see what the next step is because I relate to it. I feel like so many POCs relate to it, being you know in this environment where it, it might be a white dominant work environment, and they're like, oh, I've met a Connie or I've met a Walter. Or, I've met these people in my life because it's what we experience, especially in office environments where we're oh there was that creepy was that borderline sexual harassment like we've all experienced that at one point or another so yeah i'm i'm so excited for what's to come
1: on ghost i love it (laughs) and did you love voting was that cool or what
0: Yes. Like, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about that, about the interactive factor. Was that something that you guys wanted in the beginning was for fans and audiences to, to, yeah, like gifts and like voting and everything and answering like the question stickers on the Insta stories?
1: 100%. That's why it is meant for Instagram and Insta stories specifically, because Insta story is the only vertical platform for which you can interact because a lot of people said to me, why didn't you just put it on snap? I go, you can't vote on snap. So I wanted it to be on Insta story because I realized, my gosh, sometimes I'm spending hours watching stories. I'm like, what the heck? And so how cool to have a scripted narrative that really is vertical. It's native to how you interact with the phone already on Insta story. And I love the voting component from voting to polls, to real time interactivity, Um, so you're going to see a lot more of that. For example, did he mansplain, uh, creep level, like different things like that. And so I love, love the interactivity. It actually was so cool for me on Monday when we launched the first episode to see it happen in real time. And the amount of votes that we got, people loved it and they thought it was so cool. So I'm really happy and proud of that. Now, for your sneak peek of the season, I will say we're going to be seeing a lot more of Quinn, our Bayesian heartthrob. And you can see from the very beginning, or from that little tidbit at the end of episode one, that everyone is already enamored with this man, right? Because he is so beyond attractive. But here's the thing. Not everything is what it seems when it comes to our Bayesian heartthrob. Mm -mm -mm. And also we're going to see a lot of development when it comes to Connie and Walter. And um, I will say this, Connie really flips the trope of what you expect someone with an accent to be like. So I'm really excited for people to see that. And for Sally's character, I really love Sally's character because She's dealing with a lot of the baggage that uh, Asian American children deal with of like wanting to go the school route for their parents, but wanting to do something else, blah, blah, blah. So we explore that with her character. And of course, Wave, the intersex Latinx character. He has got so much to unpack, which is amazing. And then lastly, with Jay, let's just say that there is a love tra- triangle involved. Actually, there's a lot of different triangles involved, <laughs> and the app, okay, how do I say this to not give it too much away? Something happens throughout the season that for, that results in the Ghostwriters app being leaked and going viral, and we see how the office reacts to that. Bam! Boom! Mic drop. oh
0: my god well we are all so excited to watch this journey and to follow up with you yes girl it has been an amazing and wonderful chat especially i feel like so many people are going to relate to this whether you're a creative or not you're just going to relate to this um and just fall in love with the storyline it has been an amazing chat so go ahead and tell people not only your own personal plugs but where they can watch Hashtag Ghostwriters. Go ahead and plug yourself, girlfriend. This is oh, the time to yes, do it. Oh, yes, honey. So
1: <laughs> you can follow me at Jackie Fern on Instagram. And I always like to look at those DMs and I'll respond to anything you guys have to ask. But really, please follow at ghostwriters TV on Instagram. We are constantly updating that Instagram page. It is so beautiful. The feed, it is like a work of art belongs in the Smithsonian. (laughs) Just kidding. But we are having new episodes every Monday. It lives on Insta story for the first 24 hours. So you can interact with it. And then we'll live on IGTV for the rest. And that is at ghostwriters TV.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your story and how this series came to be. I enjoyed talking to you thoroughly. Thank you for being on here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, girl.
0: Loved it. My guest today was Jackie Fernandez. If you liked hearing about her journey and want to watch hashtag ghostwriters, please visit the link in the show notes. Pop Lounge is produced by Steph Fam and V Co. Graphic design is by V Co. And the show is edited and hosted by Steph Pham. If you like this episode, please make sure you visit our website, popnernlounge.com. On our website, you'll be able to listen to all of our episodes, subscribe to get notified of our latest releases, and contact us if you have any show suggestions or any guest ideas you'd like to have on the show. Be sure to also follow us on our Instagram page, at Lounge. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you tune in next time to Nerd Out on More Pop Culture. For Pop Nerd Lounge, I'm Steph Fam.